Hi, you're listening to the Hearsay Podcast. My name is Saya and this is episode number 46. Uh, Thank you for picking this podcast out of all the podcasts you could be listening to right now. I really appreciate it. Uh, Before I start, I just wanted to quickly give you an update on my last podcast, the one I did with Gareth Lydiard. I got so many messages from you guys asking me if I actually did end up making friends with Gaz. Um, First of all, thank you so much for caring about that. And secondly, the answer is of course. Uh, we were already mates, and um, but the show was great and we had a really nice time and it all worked out great. Um, so thank you for caring. And if you have any other questions or concerns about things that come up in this podcast, please feel free to ask me. Send me a message on Instagram or Facebook. I love hearing from you and your feedback anyway. Um, so this week's guest is Ed Cooper from The Saints, The Laughing Clowns, and of course he's made a whole bunch of incredible solo albums too. I really love talking to Ed about The Saints and Brisbane and how things have changed for him and the music industry here over the years. Um, I really hope you enjoyed as much as I did. Uh, The amazing illustration of Ed was done by my friend Alex Gillies. Alex does amazing work and does these incredible woodcuts. So if you want to check out more of his work, you can do so on Instagram at Against Woodgrain or on Etsy at Alex Gillies Woodcuts. Uh, Go look and go buy stuff. As always, you can see all these illustrations on my Instagram at Hearsay Podcast or on the Hearsay Facebook page. Here we go, episode number 46, Ed Cooper. I'm open to a fairly broad range of sounds when it comes to just about any instrument. So, you know, unless I really, it leaps out and I really hate it. But what, yeah. Do you remember the last thing you hated? The last thing I hate? I, um, probably something that I tolerate now. Um, <laughs> but no, I used to really hate the sound of syndromes. Oh, really? I really did, yeah. I, I remember in. In the, I don't know when it was, it was sometime in the mid 70s, and there was a, a really big hit, something like Love Don't Live Here Anymore. And it had this thing, and it used to drive me fucking nuts. I used to really, <laughs> really despise it. Because it's and, a bit jokey, or do you remember what it was? Just the sound of it's a it, bit like it, comical. It it's it was a really annoying sort of sound. It 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 struck me as not something that a musician would willingly add to their to their sort of palate. Yeah, I get I get it. <laughs> and and yet now it's evocative it's it's nostalgic in a way that i find just about a, a lot of things that i, I didn't used to like I've, i i they they kind of bring up a more nostalgic feeling than Absolutely. things that than i that i did like and uh, yeah that that i don't know i don't know why i thought of that that's a long long time ago <laughs> i've heard okay. many things since that i don't like <laughs> 
I can't remember that. <laughs> no, I think it's really interesting the things that we have aversions to when we're younger and then later on, you know, you come around to them or you, I don't know if it's age related or if it's maybe just the time that's passed. I think it's, uh, I think the time, it, mm. it's just, you know, especially if you're still, you know, I, I don't, if, if, if I wasn't making music, I don't know whether my feelings would be different on this. You, you know, a lot of people that aren't musicians kind of get stuck in a certain, you know, whatever that age is that when, when they, they first sort of get interested in music and so maybe whatever you dislike then you might still dislike now. I, I mm. don't feel that sort of thing as much. I've read articles where you said that the word punk really rubbed you the wrong way when people were referring to the Saints as punk. It wasn't so much that it rubbed me the wrong way. It was just that I, 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 I sort of associated it with something that had come out of the UK a couple of years after we'd already been playing. So it, it felt a little bit false to me to hitch our wagon to this UK phenomenon. Yeah. I mean, I was aware of the term punk before, punk rock UK version. I mean, punk was a, uh, a term used to describe um, 60s American garage bands couple of the sort of more underground papers I suppose and so I didn't have an aversion to the term particularly it's just that um, I, I guess I have always been a bit pedantic about time frames and I was just sort of fairly staunch proud of the fact that we had we were doing what we were doing and London was later. Yes, you know, I totally and, get that. And so it was sort of like, well, so what? Yeah. You know, well, we're not that. We were we were doing this before. And I also, I, I think I, I made a point of saying that the, the Australian punk scene that happened wasn't really Saints-influenced. It was more UK punk-influenced. Right. And so to me, you know, we'd already broken up in 1978. We'd recorded our third album and split and that's around the time that punk took off in Australia mm -hmm. and when people try to sort of condense five years as as if that you know when you're 17 or 18 five years is a fairly significant period of Absolutely. time sort of thing and um, so yeah and I think it's also historically inaccurate I, I don't <laughs> think that the post what whatever it is you know that late 70s punk thing that happened I don't think that the Saints had a great deal to do with that. Because you were already broken up. We'd broken yeah. up and, and you know, anyone that knows those first three albums mm. saw where I was going and it wasn't it wasn't going where punk was. Yeah. So who who were your comrades pre London? Did you have bands in Australia that then went on to form part of that punk movement not later really on? no i don't think there were any bands around i mean in brisbane there wasn't a scene we were the scene so you like and, made your own club and or something didn't you yeah that's crazy <laughs> well it, it happened by accident it, <laughs> can um, you tell me about that yeah we had a um that was sort of right right at the end of our brisbane stay um we had a house which is still 
there. Um, well, by we, I mean the others. I actually lived with my girlfriend in a civilised flat. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, on the corner of Petrie Terrace and Milton Road. Uh, I'm not I sure. I think I know where that yeah, is. It, you, yeah, you can't miss it. Yeah. it it's, it's, it's been sort of um, modified a little bit, but the... The shape of it is still the same. It's it's a really old house. It must be. There was a shop, I think, uh, at one stage. It must be early twentieth century, if not late nineteenth century. Wow. Um, a couple of the band were living there, and uh, we used it as a rehearsal room. And then one one night. Uh, an irate neighbour threw a brick through the window, so we boarded it up, and then I had this brainwave to paint Club 76 on it. and um, On the board? Yeah, <laughs> which was a mistake um, because it, 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 it that... You know, we were directly across the road from the police... Uh, I know. ...cadet uh, headquarters. Mm-hmm. We were never troubled by them at all for three months until I painted Club 76 and then about two weeks later we had the um, it wasn't actually the police it was the uh, fire department came around and um, basically said you can't run this Was there some yeah. pa- so big parties? and it, there, there were parties um, and, it, and, and they as the band started to sort of develop a reputation we started to get people that were kind of there for not the musical reasons and hence that actually kind of screwed it up anyway. Yeah. And we would have had to have stopped because it was just you know, starting to get a bit violent. And um, But the fire department basically just said you can't do this because you don't have adequate, uh, you know, it, it wasn't safe. Yeah, right. To have a lot of people. Yes. Yeah. So. But, the, no, we, we, you know... We had no, no trouble at all from the cops. I think I think it was too hard for them. Like it, it was, Petrie Terrace was a one-way street, yeah, and, so, and busy, and 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 not as busy in those days as, right. it, as, as it. But they that have to do the block to kind of you know it was a hard place to actually get to, and I think they were just usually when they were heading that way, they were on their way to to knock off. Right. <laughs> and, and the other thing too that I think is really important to kind of keep in mind is that there wasn't any tabloid punk rock hysteria. It didn't exist. Yeah. You know, that happened a couple of years later. As soon as that happened, then the cops were their boots and all. But when the Saints were operating, I think they probably just thought we were just a really bad band. <laughs> Just very noisy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which you were. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But and and we pro- possibly were a really bad band, but <laughs> we did we didn't. You know, you just didn't have the attention of the the tabloids. Yeah, I guess that makes all the difference. Yeah, for sure. It it wasn't. You know, it was it was really underground. It was kind of so so far out of the sight, guys, that nobody had a clue. Yeah. Really. So you know, it didn't didn't exist in people's consciousness. So we were able to function quite happily. It seems like a simpler time. Was well, most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about growing up in Brisbane at that time, because I mean, I've been in Brisbane 
since 94 and you know when my first band started playing in Brisbane there were a lot of like-minded people and there was a lot of places to play Mm. and even for me I was you know I wasn't 18 yet when when my first band started and still there were lots of opportunities to you know play underage all ages shows and Mm. um, can you tell me about your experience in trying to form a band and trying to play and yeah it was it was pretty different I think um I mean we we our, our biggest problem was usually finding a fourth member it was um Ivor Hay Chris Bailey and myself and um Ivor basically went from st- we started as a three-piece with Ivor playing keyboard we didn't have bass or drums um and then when we sort of started to build a bit of a repertoire together, we tried to get a fourth member to either play drums. Ivor shifted to bass originally, then to drums. As we, you know, we just keep losing a fourth uh, member. That was that was our first problem was just actually having a band that could go out and play. Then the next problem was that. Um, we weren't a cover band, or if we did do covers, they were sort of done in a way that people didn't acknowledge were proper covers. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we got we got banned from a lot of places. You'd never get invited back. So we started putting on things ourselves. You could hire halls. They used to have suburban halls in those days, you know, just an RSL hall or a... CWA hall and um, you'd pay a deposit, a bond, which we'd usually lose. <laughs> and were you like smashing stuff? Or not, 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 no? not us. No, they, they, oh, some, people sometimes okay. people that might attend might, uh, or you know, they might just make a mess. Yeah. No, we we weren't vandals. I mean, God, that 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 was was not the intent of the band particular. I mean, it could get fairly raucous. And, I, you know, maybe Chris might break things accidentally, but it wasn't sort of like we'd just go out to sort of wreck a place ever. But um, I'd, you'd get noise complaints probably. Yeah. Um, and that would mean that you'd have trouble getting that venue again. But we played all, all through the suburbs, always to the same, you know, 20 people or so that would follow us around. <laughs> That, that's what we mainly did. The The scene was fairly fairly tied up. Um, there was a, uh, I think the, the major booking agency was uh, the John Hind Agency and they had a, an army of covers bands and uh, they would have get the work basically. Sure. And so you'd have, but they weren't just covers bands, they were, they were also bands that were, I'm not sure if Brisbane was sort of at the forefront of the uh, tribute band concept or not, but you'd have bands that would specialise in... Then uh, one band? Yeah. Like, like a Beatles tribute no, or something? No, not Beatles. It would be more contemporary. The Beatles were sort of a bit passe by that oh. time. but uh, And before there was a sort of revival of that. So you might have 
a band that did all Alice Cooper songs Whoa. and and would wear the makeup right. and be and be no it wasn't great it was really it was, <laughs> I mean there's so was, much of that now it's really awful it was really <laughs> I, I used to despise those bands I mean I still kind of hate that now mm. I, it, it, it's it, still it pos- gross. Pos- I think there's possibly a, a kind of an acceptance of some of that for its kitschiness I still actually hate it <laughs> You know, just talk going back to what we were talking about earlier. There's there are still things that I still feel a touch of contempt for. <laughs> but um, healthy that, amount of contempt. That, that's that's what these bands did. So um, they and they got they got the work. We didn't. But you know, the th- the funny thing was that they used to have the these uh, band mornings at King George Square. I think it was sort of. Maybe it was early afternoon on a Saturday or something, um, and we'd go along and and that that'd be really inspiring. You would feel like an absolute genius wow. watch, watching these bands because they were so bad. <laughs> I see. I was. I thought you were going to say you were inspired by the talent that was performing. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so they. No, they, you'd feel vindicated. <laughs> Yeah, there's nothing like watching someone that's really shit to make you go, I can do better. Well, <laughs> I, I think, you know, it, they, they were just the epitome of everything that I didn't like, you know. I, I probably couldn't have articulated it at the time, but, you know, it was just absolute sort of cultural cringe yeah. material, you know, like just whatever was sort of in the charts and kind of... And these bands would just be doing these... You know, to see these groups, you know, some some guy with Alice Cooper, bad Alice Cooper makeup on and King George Square on 12 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Oh, no, that makes it, me sad thinking about it. it, it I, I think somebody should do a documentary on that scene. I've, mm. I've tried to encourage a few people to do it. Some of these people are still alive and they won't be forever. So yeah. the thing, I think it, it would be a fascinating era to look at. The sort of early to mid seventies covers bands. Mm. Well, maybe you should do it I, with all I, your free I, time. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't love them that much. I don't feel that sorry for them. You know. I mean, I think somebody should do it. I think it's an interesting story. I don't think. I, I don't think they'd talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, "There's that guy that's staring yeah, at us with yeah, contempt." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then, tell me about when when you move to London. And apologies if you've talked about this a lot. I imagine you would have, but mm. I, I'm more interested in your feelings about how, like, how you felt when you moved over there and the differences. I, I loved London, actually. I, I, I mean, I, I felt not particularly fond of the music industry, but I really liked living in London. I really liked um, suddenly being able to spend time in recording studios. You know, we recorded our first album in a weekend, recorded and mixed it in a weekend in Brisbane, and then we got over to London and suddenly we had, you know, three weeks in the studio. And we could, yeah. You know, by that time I'd also worked out you could do overdubs and things like That's that. You know, right. it was it was a very, you know, fast... I, I, I knew very little about the process when I started and learnt reasonably quickly reasonably <laughs> <laughs> and that that was such a such an 
enjoyable experience to do that. And also we were suddenly in a position where, you know, I had an idea for a song that had a horn section. We could yeah. get, and in fact, you know, we got this guy, Graham Prescott, to do the horn arrangement on Know Your Product. And Graham had worked with Mott the Hoople and with, you know, like, so suddenly we're in this world where, oh, I actually like things that these people have done. Yeah. And um, and they so were really, exciting. really nice people, you know. It was a completely different sort of uh, scenario to what we'd experienced in Australia. I just, so, yes, I, I really liked living in London. Um, and the reason I didn't stay living in London was sort of due to some personal things. Otherwise, I probably would have ended up staying there. There's so much more culture happening there that you would have had a lot of people... I imagine in bands that were like-minded and yeah, a bit more I'd, than I'd, Brisbane anyway. I'd, 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 it, was, it was the world worlds apart, really. Yeah. yeah. Did it feel like home? No, not really. But I, I don't know whether I was sort of looking for that at that stage. Yeah. Anyway, you know, so I, I was quite happy to sort of move around a little. But I just generally, you know, I mean, the first flat I had in. London was in Hampstead. It wasn't like we were roughing it or anything like yeah. that. You know, it was sort of actually quite comfortable. Mm-hmm. Not luxurious, but quite comfortable. And we was, I, you know, the flat was around the corner from Noel Coward's, um, I think it was the Everyman Theatre or something, you know. So you you are just sort of confronted with, or you, you know, you walk somewhere in London and you come across something of sig- significance. Yeah. Um, so that was all, all really great. And did you meet people there instantly that, um, you know, like heroes? Uh, I once um, sat at the Hampstead Pizza Bar at the table next to Ray Davies and Whoa. I was sort of just sort of always thinking, oh, should I say hello? <laughs> and that he had this stream of usually American tourists sort of coming up interrupting him. So I thought, nah, just... Just leave it. He, he probably doesn't need to have more flattery. <laughs> you can never have enough flattery. Yeah, I'm sure, I, I think I would have reached the point where I just would have said, oh, I just want to finish my pepperoni, thank yeah. you. <laughs> I, yeah, I love Ray Davies. I probably would have said something. Well, you know, it was, it was, it was you know, the Kinks were the first band that I um, paid to go see live. Wow. Uh, so that was, you know, that was, it was of some significance, yeah. I've read a, a biography where they just had the most amount of interpersonal drama in that band. Did I you sense that they, it? I thought that they actually kind of played that up a bit. I th- oh, really? I, I, thought it was, I thought it was a bit, I, I thought it was really funny. <laughs> um, and I thought that they, it, it had become part of the act. Even I was, I, how old was I? About 14, 15 maybe when I saw them. And we got seats at Brisbane Festival Hall, I think second row seats or something wow. like that. And, and it was, so we were up close. Yeah. Um, and I thought that it was, um, every band has problems. Of course. But I thought it was a bit, they made, they, it was part of the act. Yeah, right. Mm. I, in that book they were talking about, you know, like people hitting each other over the head with oh, symbols. And... Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, I've been in bands like that. <laughs> <laughs> to me that's, that's normal discourse. <laughs> 
So I want to move forward a little bit from the Saints and talk about, um, you know, when when you started Laughing Clowns and, and you got more into production and was that always an interest of yours? To You said before you were trying to work out how, how things worked in, in relation to overdubs and stuff. Oh, was it, that with, with the Clowns passion? it was funny. We, we were suddenly like with the Saints it was uh, it was relatively luxurious because we were signed to a major label and we could spend weeks in the studio with the clowns suddenly we were back to being an independent band we had to pay for our own recordings and um which were more expensive in those days than maybe they are these days um plus you know there's always the clowns were always under a lot of financial pressure. I mean, you know, the a number of sort of issues in the band, I guess, that kind of made running it as a a straightforward sort of enterprise a bit difficult. Yeah, right. Um, so there's always pressure for money. And, you know, I had this brainwave that, well, you know, we'll play live, but everybody only gets, I, don't, I can't remember what it was, you know, $50 or $100 per night and that's it. Or yeah. anything else just I'm holding on to and this gets put into our next recording kind of thing, you yeah. know, so that we can keep the thing going. And that sort of worked for a while. I mean, we, we took ourselves overseas on that basis um, but there was always kind of a lot of ill feeling that, you know, I was sitting on this huge amount of sure. cash and yeah, I was just where, is, ask where is it, where is it, yeah. you know, so you had that kind of pressure, which I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not that patient yeah. a person and, you know, <laughs> so I, I get a little bit tired of that sort of thing. And <laughs> <laughs> like a, like a distrust it 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 yeah there was definitely that but you know you had you know, the band had drug problems and mm. and so you you know people aren't being totally sort of coherent to you know if I'm going to be sort of generous and forgiving about it yes I, I won't <laughs> you I, won't I, be I, generous no, and no, forgiving no I will be I mean I I, <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say I won't. You know, sort of, if those problems didn't exist, I would imagine people might have been a little different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, That's a huge stress. Yeah. So so we had that. So and, and I, I think most, with, with the clowns, most of the experimentation that I did was in writing rather than in recording. I just mm. started to do um, work on arranging things that didn't actually cost any money whether I could just kind of do on a cassette player or just do notes yeah you know um and so the band always recorded live in the studio um they hardly ever overdubs wow um, that's impressive those records are really they have a huge sound to them yeah but that we rehearsed a lot, you know, the band was actually, for all its reputation as being a, a free-form shambles at times, <laughs> we were actually very, very coherent. Yeah. And, you, you you know, I've listened to live recordings of the band where unless we uh, specifically um, determine that a certain part of a song is going to be an improvisation, they sound exactly the same. I mean, the, the, the band was so tight, it was incredible. That um, is incredible. Mm. So you've rehearsed a lot. 
We rehearsed for about six months, I think, before we played. Whoa. You know, That's that, a lot. And several times a week sort of thing. So, yeah. As soon as computers started coming into the picture, do you think it changed the way you started writing songs or started thinking about instrumentation? Um, I think I already had a hint of that when when The Saints started in a weird sort of way. The problem was that I didn't have the gear. I had a little cassette player, a mono cassette player, and sometimes I would be lucky enough to borrow someone else's mono cassette player and so I'd do kind of just guitar things for as you know long as a side of tape would play and then double, you know, play that back and then overdub onto that. Um, so that, that was a very crude sort of double tracking. But I also thought that in some ways that that was a bit too easy to do these sort of noise scapes and so I stopped stopped it um, for quite a long time. Sometimes I go back to it and I think, you know, there's still something that draws me to that. But, um, yeah, I think uh, I, I got a, a home, a small studio set up sometime in the mid-90s. I was sort of relatively productive with that for a few years and then kind of just went into a bit of a creative black hole for the next 20 years <laughs> <laughs> and I hardly did anything but it um yeah for it, it it does change the way that you write it makes things certain things a lot easier if if you know once you've overcome the the initial hurdle of having to learn how to use a new kind of tool which I wasn't particularly you know I knew people who were at the absolute forefront of this stuff just you know people who've, who who are dead now um, and they tried to sort of talk me into it and I was quite resistant mm. you know I like not many people know this I had I think the first musicians website in Australia, really? set up by two friends, and which is now archived in the um, in the National Archives. Oh and wow! It, it's it's quite amazing when you see it. I mean, it's really primitive, of but, course, but, but it's you know it it's there. from from ninety I don't know ninety three I think ninety four. Wow! And um, yeah, you can you can. We even had a you know people could send in questions and I, I would actually answer them. Really? <laughs> Did that happen Did often, it? like the questions? Yeah, if you, there's even a question from Scott Morrison. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I'm going to go look at it. You should. <laughs> Was it a good question? Did he seem intelligent? Well, well I don't know. It may, <laughs> may not be the same one. <laughs> it did seem intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> um. I wanted to talk to you about the first time I saw you play. So I didn't I never got to see you play solo when I was growing up in Brisbane, but I did see your Pig City show when you reformed the Saints in whenever that was. Two thousand and seven. Two thousand seven. Yeah. And I remember that night really well because that was one of the first big shows that I played in Regurgitator. Mm-hmm. And I remember my keyboard had some kind of buzz in it and it was very stressful <laughs> what are your memories of that night um that that it was a it was sort of like wading through molasses in a lot of ways <laughs> getting getting that done I mean, chris was so just made the whole 
things so, so difficult. How did he make it difficult? Well, uh, look, this is a story in itself. Yeah, know, we don't I mean, have to go no, into it. No, but it, it, but it, just, was, it was just, molasses just, just, just take my word for it. It, it was... It was I, I kind of really hated it. Oh, um, no. Yeah, I, I, I don't think... I mean, a lot of people really liked that show. I didn't. Um, and I, I don't think the band was musically what it should have been. Um, you had high expectations. Well, the, the, apart from everything else, the Saints always had a, a fairly sort of unique rhythmic approach and that was lacking. I think Ivorhood by that stage was really kind of out of shape and had also been, you know, he'd, he'd continued to work with Chris after... The original band split up and I think Chris had a sort of a a determination to kind of make the what the drums and the bass did sort of a, a much more sort of conventional kind of thing. I've all learnt to play the drums to my guitar so there was an interaction that was fairly unique that had more in common with, say... I don't know, some sort of 1950s wild rock and roll or something. Mm. And it wasn't quite as, quite the formula that um, 70s rock had become, I suppose. And um, that was lacking. So that that made it feel, hence the, it felt like I had to constantly be trying to push the band. Everything Mm. was kind of just sluggish to my ears yeah and i am and uh, i am absolutely correct (laughs) (laughs) it's your reality (laughs) well it it is my reality but it is the reality i mean i think people one one thing that was really impressive one thing that that kind of stunned me in a way was just the amount of love people were prepared to give the band and I don't think that was really reciprocated you know I don't I don't and I felt annoyed about that right you know I I thought you know this I I got the feeling in some ways that you know after something like the easy beats or something the saints possibly could have been one of the you know if you ignore the ones that were still around relatively recently like midnight oil or something they could have been you know People just absolutely were prepared to forgive us, and that's why people liked that show. They wanted, they wanted, they wanted to like the band. Yes, you know, they wanted to love the band. I think we could have even been a bit worse than we were. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I find that concept really interesting of um, of loving a band so much that you would just like whatever they do. You I know, think I, I think it's it's a, a common kind of it thing. It absolutely yeah. is. I definitely have bands where they could have taken a shit on record and I would have thought it was mm. art. I think that, you know, going back to the Kinks, I think the Kinks got to that point by about the mid nineteen seventies, mm. certainly by the eighties. Those records are horrible. Yeah, they're and not yet good I, records. I was I was still, you know, I'd listen to them and think, Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> He still yeah, sings really well, well on those no, records. I don't think so. I, 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 when he, when he, when he, when he, when they kind of took it to the stadiums, that, that they lost, lost it. Mm. I think they, they didn't need to prove that they were a stadium band. 
I, yeah, I, right. I don't think that they do it convincingly anyway. I didn't uh, even know they played stadiums. At they that were point. huge in the states. It's all those those albums like low budget and. Um, yeah. Give the people what they want. Mm. Horrible records. Well, I think they were also sort of a victim of eighties production. Sure, but I can't. I'm yeah. There's that. Um, but if the songs were there, you'd still yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's it's not. You know, it may just be a matter of taste. But I I think there's a. I'm I'm guilty of. All, that, that's all I was trying to say. Yeah, with that, that, absolutely. You know, I, I, I was more forgiving. If those records hadn't been by the Kinks, I wouldn't have even glanced at them twice, whereas because they were the Kinks, I did listen to them twice yes. and then decided, actually, I know they're no good. You know? <laughs> yeah, I understand what you mean. And mm. I have to say I absolutely wanted to love the Saints that night, and I did. From mm. an outsider's perspective, it was really exciting. Was it? Oh, great. Yeah. Well, you know, that may, maybe that's something that, you know, I, I could tell people what wanted to like the band. Yeah. I, you know, I, it was sort of, I guess, part of part of what annoys me about it was that we could have actually been really good. Yeah. The band was really good at, at its best. Yeah. And I think we kind of let it down. Yeah. You know, it could have been a significant reunion and we could have actually taken the show around the country, possibly, you know, even done a few, done a London and New York kind of thing. Um, but anyway, that, yeah. it's actually quite Wasn't a long time ago now. Yeah, it was, it's 12, crazy, isn't 12 it? 12 years. Yeah. <laughs> Did you tour around a lot internationally Back when the Saints started? No, we did. You just uh, did we, Europe? We, we played, um, we did two uh, tours of the UK. We played in Amsterdam and we played in Paris. Right. And that's it. That's it. That's it. So you never played like, you know, somewhere that felt really, really far away from home? Well... I mean, London is about as far from Brisbane as you can get. Yeah. Actually, I think that Montreal is the furthest away you can get from Brisbane. I looked that up recently. Okay. All right. Well, we didn't get there <laughs> did either. You, my question is, did you play in Montreal? No. no. I um, <laughs> I just... I have, when, I have played in Montreal, but not, <laughs> not with the Saints. When I first started touring around... Um, you know, for me, being in my early 20s and touring around the world and in my first band, there's definitely some places that felt the most amount of strange compared to what I was used to, you know, like playing in Japan or playing in um, Laos or, you know, like mm. places like that where you mm. just think, where the fuck am I? What mm. is this? So I'm I, I would imagine that would be the case. No, we, we, we didn't get to play... Anywhere outside mm. of um, Northern Europe. Oh, that's really interesting for the size of that band. Well, it all happened really quickly. You know, that's that's the the first album. I mean, we, we we recorded in Brisbane in let me see the May or June of nineteen seventy six. That's when we did the single, pressed that up, and then got a record deal. Recorded the album in October. That was released in February of seventy-seven. Um, by April, I think the end of April, we were in London. Wow, um, so quick! And then we recorded "Eternally Yours." We recorded an, an EP. We recorded a 
I actually recorded a single, an EP, then recorded the second album, and that saw us out of 77. And then by April 78, we recorded the third album, That a few months after the second one. Uh, then we split up. Mm. So it was sort of in a period of 18 months, we did the three albums, toured the UK twice, went to Holland, went to France, and then broke up. Yeah, had a fight. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't quite had a fight. It was. It was sort of oddly a rapid deterioration. Mm. I don't think there was sort of a, an actual confrontation. I really want to talk to you about your solo stuff. Mm-hmm. You have had enormous output at times. Yeah, apart from your twenty years of black hole. Well, that, that that's right. You can't. You can't. You know, like there was a time when I was putting out. three or four albums in the space of a year or something and then there was also a space of three or four years where I didn't do anything so yeah that does happen in the times when you didn't do anything did you feel like you should have been doing something yeah yeah, I think you always sort of feel a yeah a kind of um you know why why am I actually even alive kind of thing so sure yeah yeah. And it was a creative block. It wasn't like you were purposefully taking a break. Or... No, no, not not intentionally. I think I was sort of oblivious to the amount of time that was actually sort of evaporating around me. Yeah. To some extent, I think that's an easy thing to do. Yeah. Um, no, I think I just lost complete focus. Yeah. Totally lost focus. I should say. Well, that's really interesting. And then still, you were able to release. You know more than 20 records, solo records, which is incredible. Depending how you count them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is there a different way to count them? There are. If you, if you count count the sort of the private, the boutique uh, sort of uh, private uh, stock label um, stuff, there's probably around 50 or something. But, um, yeah, the ones that, that, have, that you can easily kind of or used to be easily able to get in shops, yeah. It's incredible how much um, your style changes over them as well. Like some of them are so... Yeah. yeah, I feel like some of them are a lot more soundscapey and it sounds like, um, I don't know, may- maybe just to me it sounds like maybe you're thinking about like a thematic thing for one album or... Yeah, I um, do I do that yeah. uh, from time to time. I think that it helps to um, focus on getting something done i generally when i'm when i'm writing or what, when it comes to doing an album i like to actually sort of visualize what i want that album to be before mm. i start sometimes even before i i've written the material for it you know and then i'll write toward a kind of thing i used to do that when i was still in high school before the saints started, I'd instead of paying attention in <laughs> geography, I would be drawing my album covers and even sort of, That's you great. know, de- devise side one and two, not necessarily with titles, but with running times. So track wow. one, track one would be three minutes and twenty four <laughs> seconds or something <laughs> like that. How would you decide how long they would? Would do, do, you uh, like first song needs to be under? No, minutes? no. I just I think they had the, the. I was I was a an early advocate of the short album. Yes. You know, I I, I wouldn't want to go over twenty minutes aside. Yeah. So you have five, maybe six songs, and if you had six songs, you'd know that they wouldn't be much longer than three minutes each, kind of. <laughs> 
But some of your solo records, yeah, you have know, quite long songs oh, now. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> My my younger self would be actually the albums themselves aren't aren't longer than usual. It's it's just some of the songs are longer. Yeah, you get stuck in a thing. Well, it's it, you know d- d- different different things require different approaches, sort of thing. Um, even if you know my younger self might not have agreed with that yeah. at that time, but maybe you know I probably would have. Um, I think the earliest albums that I bought because I bought. You know things like um, "Paranoid" by Black Sabbath. That's you know four songs aside. That, yeah. that kind of thing. You know, so I, I I'm familiar with the the heavy rock, the early heavy rock, and I you know I don't call it metal. It it was heavy rock. Mm-hmm. You know, those people would do three songs aside. Yeah, that's right. And or sometimes two. Yeah. You know, uh, but you were limited by the overall duration sort of thing so uh, you know I, I have actually stayed true to that aesthetic <laughs> <laughs> that's great what um you've been talking about your younger self a bit today do you have what would you tell your younger self with all the knowledge that you have now oh god yeah gee i, I would i wish i had my older self around to give me advice back in those yeah. days yes what um, would it be oh I don't know. Just watch, watch the business side of things. You know, watch the publishing in particular, and um, even um, people that you are close to can be um, can be tempted to not be totally honest, kind of thing. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's. I think I I I definitely would have. Um, I think get a really good manager, but that is you know you may as well say well. Why not? You know, paint the sky green <laughs> <That's> <laughs> or <right>. something. <laughs> um, Do you it, think you would have listened anyway? <laughs> uh, if the advice was given in the right way, yeah, definitely. I mm. wasn't mindlessly, um, uh, you know, stubborn. Mm. I, I, I was quite happy to get good at If it was somebody that I respected, I would most definitely listen to what they said the problem that uh i think you know a group like the saints had was that we didn't really meet anybody that we respected because nobody respected us you know people thought we were rubbish for the most part and were only kind of willing to give it a go in this country initially um because we started to make get some attention from overseas you know and you 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 kind of knew that you've even if they didn't say it you could tell that you know the record industry here did not like us Mm. and we didn't like them either yeah (laughs) did you uh sign your publishing away like is that what happened yeah yeah the publishing the original publishing deals were just terrible you know um I mean, on the face of it, they're sort of okay. Our manager at the time set up a publishing company, and oh, right. and and which, you know, that made sense. But the deal itself was awful, and you know, and we should have had independent legal advice, which we didn't get. Mm. So, no, my my publishing from those years, it wasn't resolved until. This century, by which really? time I'd say, you know, the the bulk of the income was probably well gone. Yeah. Um, when was it resolved? Ten, around about the Pig City 
Wow. Time. So that's yeah, a long time. It is. It is. And I can see why you would, yeah, you'd want to give your young self that advice. You, you, you betcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to ask you my final question, which is the question that I ask everyone. Mm. What is your strangest show experience? Oh. Well, apart, sure apart from that um, Pick City um, <laughs> yeah. performance. Uh, Sorry to bring that up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, tons and tons. I think one of the funniest ones that I can recall was doing a show of very little consequence. It was one of those um, shows that I was referring to, or talking about earlier, um, where the Saints had hired, I think it was a hall in Tawong, um, might have been the Tawong RSL Hall. It was a timber hall. I don't, don't think it still exists. Um, we hired it, put on a show, and we had just um, been rehearsing with this new drummer for, I don't know, for probably a month or something. You know, it had been ages. It felt like years, as, as months did in those days. Um, and we played our first set, and the guy's girlfriend came up to him after the set and said, if you don't quit this band now, I'm leaving you. <laughs> and so he started packing up his stuff. What? He did? And, and left. <laughs> and so we did the second set <laughs> without the drummer. And then to kind of cap it off, um, <laughs> the cops turned up and... Shut it down oh, early anyway no. because of a uh, noise complaint or something. Even without drums, it was too loud. Well, I think, you know, anything that, you know, we had amplifiers and stuff. Sure. So in an old timber hall that could resonate through the quiet suburban yeah, yeah. streets. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it was about the band that she found so offensive. Well, it's probably hard to understand because I think these days, you know, people kind of hear the saints and think, oh, yeah, that's classic rock or something. Sure. There was a time when it was not considered to be all that um, musical, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but even so, like, I wonder how, why was she so... <laughs> well, I don't know. I never that's got around to ask. I, I mean, I was just, you know, like I, I took... Offence very easily if anybody yeah. criticised the band. I mean, it was just fuck off. You of know, course, get out of here. Um, also, why wouldn't she be supportive of her partner? Look, th there's possibly <laughs> a story in this. I think you, <laughs> maybe we should do a documentary on this girl. You, you, you should because <laughs> this guy probably ended up joining one of those um, tribute bands. Yeah, you know? Alice Cooper. <laughs> she would have loved that. She quite possibly would have. <laughs> She, the thing is, she wouldn't have loved Alice Cooper, you know, a year before the the radio hits kind of thing. So I don't know, you you, you can't have your life kind of determined by other people's um, musical tastes. Yes, that's right. That's right. Um, I just remembered there was one other thing that I wanted to talk mm -hmm. to you about. When we first met, which was after we did a powerhouse show together. Um, we were talking oh, about yeah. our German heritage mm -hmm. and you said that you were thinking about writing some songs in German. Yeah. Do you still think about doing that? I do. I do. I was reminded about it this morning when I thought I've got a, an interview coming up with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
yeah, I, I, I do think about it. I think about a lot of things. A lot of the times actually doing them is sort of, you know, uh, gets harder and harder. Yes. I think there's, there's a lot of um, other things that kind of get in your way. But, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do an album in German. And, uh, but I, I do think that I, I have to... Doing doing the translation, my my lyrics need to be completely rewritten yes. to sort of make it feel comfortable. Just doing translations don't yeah, easily work. I've tried it with right. a few songs, and mm. it it um, I think they just need new lyrics. And yeah. so maybe my initial plan was to sort of what I thought would be an easy way to do it would be to take a whole bunch of old songs and just re-record them in German, but I don't know if that actually works all that well. Yeah. So it's... Um, do you still feel like you have a connection to Germany? Do you go back there at all? I, I used to more when I was touring more. Mm. Um, I haven't been over there for a few years now. I think, uh, oh, I don't know, four or five. In fact, I don't have much in the Woe family there anymore. I, I'm not really sure. If, if I feel that it's particularly home anymore, I, I'm not really sure whether I feel anywhere is sort of I'm not not sure about Australia anymore, mm. you know. So uh, that, that's kind of gone through some changes in the last decade or so that I'm not really crazy about. And, you mean um, politically? I think politically and, 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 and I don't know, it, it, it's... It's probably politically driven, but there's, there's, there are, I don't know, I can get pretty bleak about things, so yeah. I won't, otherwise I'll make your your <laughs> podcast very depressing. I'll cut You've come out. to the right place. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for chatting to me, Ed. It's so it's lovely. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.